Listening Dog Media. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. The Offside Rule. We get it. With Lindsay Hooper, Hayley McQueen and Kate Borsay. Hello, it's another Offside Rule podcast. Uh, we are coming towards the business end of the season, ladies, which is a topic that we're going to touch on. It's Kate Borsay. Hello. And Hayley McQueen with her rollers in her hair, but nobody knows that. I am, and hello. (laughs) I sense a Sky Sports News shift coming on in a few minutes. Um, We'll go through a few topics that we'll be discussing today. First of all, we did a few weeks ago look at who we thought would be relegated in the championship. We also talked promotion, but we haven't spoken the top flight. And after the results at the weekend just gone, QPR getting a drumming by Swansea, we're thinking we're suddenly getting a clearer indication should we be putting our money where our mouth is, or because we don't gamble per se on the Offside Rule podcast, maybe we'll gamble some sweeties. Um, also coming up, we're going to talk with a Valentine's theme because this is going out. Happy Valentine's Day, everybody. Woo. Roses are red, violets are blue. The Offside Rule podcast loves you. Oh. <laughs> How poetic. Capella, Hayley McQueen. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, we thought we'd embrace that theme and we would talk for our second topic about the moments that you fell in love and out of love with football. We're also going to be coming up later with our Footballing Eleven with a Valentine's theme, aren't we? Mm-hmm, yeah. And I nearly forgot this one. Um, you can't pick your own teams for this, by the way, otherwise it would be very obvious. But you have to choose a football stadium later on that you would get married in that's not your own clubs. So a ground that you've fallen in love with and why. We'll also have Twitter Topic of the Week, but without further ado, let's crack on with a little discussion about the weekend. Now, girls, I'm back from Hala Madrid. <laughs> Hola. <laughs> uh, Real Madrid, I went and did the tour of the Bernabeu, which was amazing. Mm. Um, loved it. In fact, there will be pictures on our Facebook page, which is Offside Rule Pod, so go there. Um, guess who I hooked up with? Ronaldo. <laughs> Apparently, no. Um, I actually hooked up with our La Liga correspondent, Rhiannon Jones. So she says hello or hello. Um, she ordered everything for me in Spanish. She speaks fluent. It is amazing. Wow. Um, she was also giving me a little bit of inside scoop, but I can't share anything. But, oh. you know, things like Jose and Ronaldo. And, but I can't, I can't declare. 
I've signed, I've signed an agreement. Oh. Um, but it was amazing. I really enjoyed it. And whilst I was doing that, Kate, you also had a footballing experience this week. You went to go and see England in an international friendly against Brazil. Yes, I did. I took my dad as his Christmas present and um, we were on our way to the stadium and, and my dad was very conscious about getting something to eat before the game. He's 65. They get a bit pernickety about making sure that they have their tea at a certain time, that they have their food at a certain time. So he was wittering on about that. And I was like, all right, Dad, let's just get to Wembley. Try not to get stressed. We get through Wembley. The last I see him, I've given him his ticket and he's about to scan his ticket through the little barcode thing. And I turn around, I get to security and I turn around after the security check and I can't find my dad. And I'm thinking, oh my God, he's wearing a bright orange bobble hat, which tells you a lot about the kind of guy my dad is. And I'm thinking, how can I lose my dad? He was like two people behind me in the ticket queue but my dad is prone to wandering okay so I didn't I didn't panic too much I get to my seat and I think well maybe he's waiting for me there then there's no dad I think well maybe he's queuing to get some food in which case I'm going to enjoy all the kind of pre-match stuff we get to a few minutes before the game he still hasn't rocked up people are coming up with their food it gets to kick off there are a few stragglers bringing their food up still no dad and I'm sat there thinking where is my dad kick off five minutes into kick off by which time he's been missing for about 25 minutes I think where is dad I think oh hang on a minute I look at my tickets I've given him the receipt to get in not his ticket so he couldn't actually get into Wembley I've left my dad outside Wembley in the freezing cold for 25 minutes all I can say dad is I'm really sorry and happy Christmas was that his late Christmas present oh no Um, love it okay well we'll go on with topic one girls Uh, this is to do with the Premier League unfortunately it's a little bit of a sombre note to start on but QPR um, getting pummeled by Swansea means that it's looking doomed isn't it which is going to prompt us to say who we think will go down in the Premier league this season is anyone supporting qpr to still survive first of all i'm not i'm sorry if you have a look at their fixtures coming up it just does not look good for them they've got manchester united next i just think qpr will go down before the end of the season a good few games before the end of the season they meet arsenal beginning of may and i I predict that they would have gone down by then i just think they're past the point of survival sorry Hayley? I think the weekend's result really had it for me. That was it. Nail in the coffin as far as I'm concerned. And I think um, discussing sort of the wedding theme as well, I I came up with a little joke here. If you want a good wedding and you want it to go down well, you need to head to Loftus Road. I think that pretty much sums up there, Valentine's. I'm really sorry about that. Well, needless to say, I'm not going to back them either. So uh, who are we going to go for to go down with QPR? I say Wigan every year. Every year they survive, but I'm going to say them again. (laughs) I'm also going to say Wigan. They're in their seventh season in the Premier League, and it's a bit like a cat having nine lives. I don't think Wigan have got an eighth Premier League season in them. I know that traditionally they always do much better after the Christmas break, and they always, always manage to escape it, don't they? But this year, I just can't see that being the case. One thing that I don't think is going to help them, and I know it's terrific to have a great FA Cup run, but I don't think that their run in the FA Cup is going to help them at all. They've still got to meet, beginning of March, Liverpool. They've got to meet Manchester City. They've got uh, Spurs coming up as well. I just don't think it looks good for them at all. It's like a romance, isn't it? You get to that seven-year mark, the seven-year itch, and you decide whether it's going to work and you're going to carry on or that's it completely over. I was massively toying between Reading and Aston Villa. I think like you, Lindsay and Kate, Wigan are going down. That's going to be it for them. Queen's Park Rangers, I think they are going to finish at the bottom. Reading, couple of new uh, inclusions and signings. 
in January. I just don't think that is going to keep them up. Um, Reading, they've had a recent run of really good results, but maybe their run has come just at the wrong time. They perhaps needed that run towards the end of the season, not right now. Aston Villa, they still have to face Arsenal away. Manchester City, big one. A QPR, both of them desperately needing the points there. They also have to take on Liverpool and Chelsea and Manchester United at Old Trafford. So maybe it could just be the season that Aston Villa face the drop. You'd think it, but for me, I think it will be between Southampton and Reading for that final relegation spot along with Wigan and QPR. But of course, Wigan will prove me wrong. They'll stay up. Aston Villa will probably drop into it and Hayley will be right. Hi, I'm Phil Thompson and you're listening to The Offside Rule. Well, that was probably one of the easiest topics we've ever had to cover because it, the Premier League started to look quite determined as to who will be have, facing the drop. Um, I'm sure one of us amongst their picks will be right there. <laughs> uh, let's go on to our second topic, which is when you fell in and out of love with football. I'm interested to know what you have to say, Hayley McQueen. Oh. Falling in love since birth. <laughs> Born in Manchester and growing up, Following Manchester United, I guess that's been quite easy. Yes, in the 80s when I came along. okay, I just got there in 1980. But during the 80s when I was a young kid, being taken along to football, it was always great fun. Manchester United start to become a great team. And there was that wonderful rivalry, of course, in my teenage years between Liverpool and Manchester United. So that was always so much fun. And my dad had come from Leeds United and joined Manchester United. And people, of course, hated that. Not many people have done it, but those that have, have been hated by Leeds United. I hate it when we go back to Leeds and I'm with my dad and he gets spat at. He's had bricks through his car window before when he was at Middlesbrough and he had, um, he used to have sponsorship. So he had a sponsorship across the back of the car and it was uh, Middlesbrough, so-and-so garage sponsors Middlesbrough Football Club and people knew that my dad was driving that car and he got it smashed in. We've had people shouting at us. So fans, when they get so passionate and forget Mm. that at the time, yes, you love your club, but a player is not going to stay with their club all their lives. It's very rare that you get your Ryan Giggses and your Paul Skulls and your players like that who stay with the club. So you kind of fall out of it when the fans get so passionate they forget there is a person and there is a human under there. I remember falling out of love with it with David Beckham in the World Cup when people were burning effigies of David Beckham and he was on the front page of the the papers being crucified and then yeah Wayne Rooney I think made a massive mistake and for me uh, we all found out when he was possibly planning on going and playing for Manchester City and maybe being led by the money and then coming around and realising actually no Manchester United's where it's at but the way he was crucified and the way that the fans are acting and also money as well money comes into it I'm not going to start going on a rant and talking about things because of One of the places I work for is, of course, Sky Sports, and I think they have improved football. They've made it what it is today. But when you go to a football game, you go to the Emirates, a wonderful place to watch football. Sit in the centre, upper tier, will cost you £94. You have your booking fee and your postage. You have these fans who want to watch their team week in, week out. They want to watch them in the Champions League, in the FA Cup if you're lucky, in the League Cup if you get on a good run. It costs an absolute fortune. It's just not as accessible as it used to be which kind of may help with some of the lower teens because if you're a family with lots of kids you can't afford to take your family out for a day out so you may go and follow a Barnet or a smaller team like that so in turn it could help with the lower teams who don't get the money and benefit from the TV rights because you can afford to take a family and get a season ticket and follow a smaller team so I think it's a real shame where money comes into it and it's the fans that suffer. 
Okay, Kate. Well, a moment that I fell in love with football, I've already spoken about Euro 96. I went to see the England-Holland game and that was, of course, a massive highlight in my footballing past. Um, but let's talk about the game beforehand when England beat Scotland 2-0. Sorry, Hayley. England beat Scotland 2-0 in the group stages. And it, it wasn't just a magical moment. It wasn't just a moment where I fell in love with football because of the individual piece of brilliance by Paul Gascoigne that was England's second goal. It was all the furore around it. And I love a good footballing story. So, of course, the England team um, are out in Tokyo and that's where the famous... Um, dentist chair happened um, and it was a game involving alcohol it was all over the papers there was a massive fraud Venables under a huge amount of pressure because of it we go into Euro 96 and the first game was a one-all draw with Switzerland things didn't start particularly well then we meet Scotland Shearer scores then we concede a penalty McAllister goes up to take it and it's saved by David Seaman could luck be on our side after that, well, pretty much immediately after that, Seaman goal kicks, uh, goes to the midfield, then there's a long ball to Gaza. He controls it and thumps in one of the best strikes I've seen. It was magical, and it wasn't just because it was technically magical, it was because it was Gaza. It was because Venables was criticised for taking Gaza. No one knew whether, whether Gaza should have been at Euro 96 or not, but he completely proved his critics wrong, and I loved it because his celebration, of course, he was flat on the ground with his arms spread open and his mouth open, and Teddy Sheringham rocks up with one of their water bottles and does a reenact of the dentist chair. So it was just one of those wonderful footballing moments because Venables was completely vindicated in, in choosing Gaza. Gaza completely justified being there. And of course, England beat Scotland 2-0 in that game. A time when I've fallen out of love with football. Well, Portsmouth is a great example and we can also look at Rangers last season as well. It's when a club lives beyond their means and that's fair enough if you've got owners in charge who can support that, although we know soon, of course, that that won't be allowed to happen with all the financial fair play rules. But it's a club living beyond their means who can't sustain that. And if we look at Portsmouth... It's been a disaster, really. The club's been owned by several people. It's been bought and sold for, you know, amounts uh, of a pound. We don't really know what's been going on here. Basically, Portsmouth lived beyond their means for too long. And those who have been loyally buying tickets, season tickets, etc., shelling out their hard-earned cash to try and support the club are going to be the ones who lose out because soon Portsmouth might not be a club at all. They've been in administration since February last year. They're going to be deducted 10 points if and when uh, they exit. Currently, second from bottom in League One. Uh, they've lost quite a few matches on the bounce. It doesn't look good and that's a time when I fall out of love with football. When finances take over, clubs are almost too ambitious, live beyond their means. People who are allowed to buy them perhaps shouldn't be allowed to buy them and at the end of the day, it's the fan, it's the community, it's the soul of the football club who misses out. The really sad thing about that as well is I think in the years gone by when you ask any football fan who are your favourite travelling support, particularly when I worked at Old Trafford, in the corner of the um, stand, the northwest stand, we had our studios, we had a couple of studios and, and gallery around the stadium and when the Portsmouth fans were there, they were by far the noisiest, sung their hearts out the whole way through, the most colourful and probably the most exciting fans and I think it is a real shame, particularly when... OK, every fan is just as important as the next. But when you have the Portsmouth fans who are famous mm. for their supports 
and being the faithful that they are, mm. I think that's really sad. OK, well, I'm going to lighten the mood, girls, and go with where I fell in love with football. Um, I'm going to take you back to the Straits Primary School, my primary school <laughs> growing up, uh, because I actually fell in love with football playing before I fell in love with football spectating. Um, although I was aware of Wolves, of course, from the year dot with my granddad and my family heritage of all being Wolves, apart from my dad who supports Albion. Have I ever revealed that before? No, you haven't. Oh, I know. We don't mention it in our household. <laughs> apart from my dad, all this season, every time I go home, we'll say, how did Albion do today, Lindsay, when he fully well knows the score, especially <laughs> that really great run they went on. Um, but anyway, I digress. So we'll go back to Straits Primary School and in the playground... Um, just remember when you were about seven or eight and you used to have a maybe a girly group that you used to get together with, uh, there was this phase at our school where all the girls would stand on the steps on the playground and sing. Fine. I spotted that the boys were playing football and I thought this was much more entertaining to spend my lunch break than singing on some steps. So I ended up playing with the boys and... I didn't realise, but I was pretty good at football and they ended up keep asking me to play and, and getting me on their teams and I very quickly got stuck in. I was tackling. I don't think this did much for my primary school love life <laughs> because I was just one of the boys. But I loved it and that was where I fell in love with football and I've carried on and I still play to this day and um, never got to any dizzying heights. But even with my cousin when I was about nine years, ten years old, he used to play in goal and he used to take me over to this place called the Red Wreck, which was near where I used to live, with his friends to play football. And he'd turn up to go in goal and he'd say, I've brought my cousin along the only girl, and they'd say, what you bought a girl for? <laughs> That's how they speak back at home. And my cousin would say... Dow yow mock, it'll be better than yow, because <laughs> that's yeah. where I come from. <laughs> so I loved it. It was brilliant. Um, and then in terms of falling out of love with football, I have to say it's usually World Cups, and it's because I'm such a patriot. <laughs> and I'll give you a case in, exam- a case in point. In the 2010 World Cup, the most recent one, I was in Hawaii when England played the USA. So, of course, Hawaii attracts all the tourists from America. There aren't many British people over in Hawaii when you're there. So there are all these Yanks there in their droves packing out this pub. I was trying to find this one bar in Hawaii that would be showing the football because I was not going to miss a World Cup match with England especially. So I rock up with my flags because I get very patriotic and it was full. You walk into this bar and it was a sea of USA and that's what they do, isn't it? USA! And I was like, I'm not having this. (laughs) So I was making my own little noise, a bit like the Portsmouth fans you're describing in Old Trafford, for England. Were you like the English version of John FC Portsmouth? Yes. out, clackers going. And my cousin was absolutely horrified, head in hands, because I was picking on the USA fans, of which there were many more than us, to say, what are you on about? England, this is the home of football. You think you're going to beat us? What are you on about? Because they were giving it all that. I was like, of course, it ended one all, <laughs> which made me fall slightly out of loving fo- with football when the whole bar turned round and were just like, what? You're the home of football. You're so good. The USA, we've just managed to, to draw with you. And it put me in a foul mood. I'm on holiday. Um, and also, I have a picture that I'll try and dig out for our Facebook page of the only other, I found one table of other England fans in that bar they were all about 60 plus I love them all I went and had a picture with them with their England flag 
One thing I thought we were all going to actually mention, hence I didn't go for it, and it's taken us until, I think, February now to fall back in love with the football after the Olympics. Lots of people having had the most wonderful, exciting, patriotic summer. Of course, we had the Queen's Jubilee as well. Um, Lots of royal stuff going on. It was all so exciting. Uh, The gymnasts that I worked a lot with and all the athletes everywhere was so easily accessible. It was fun, wasn't much controversy. It was all about gamesmanship and sportsmanship and we had the wonderful volunteers and then it was kind of back to the football season. Nobody was ready for it. People almost didn't want it. We have lots of sort of topics that are brought up through football which quite rightly should be brought to the attention so hopefully we can change the way that the world sees things like racism and, and bullying and lots of things in football but you kind of think I just want to go back to the happy days of the Summer Olympics and not have to deal with all the troubles that football brings. Yes, and when I was at the Olympics, I never tore posters off the wall, which Kate Forsay was witness to. This again was a 2010 World Cup moment. After that USA game, I went to go and see another game with Lindsay and we were meeting some friends in town. And I, I have to say, I've never feared so much for the life of a hand towel dispenser. <laughs> Because we lost the game. And do you know what, Linz? I can't remember what game it was. Did it involve Germany? It possibly involved Germany. (laughs) To be honest, heartache at the World Cup normally involves Germany, doesn't it? Lindsay Hooper, ladies and gentlemen, was so upset and frustrated after this game, I had to try and contain her in a female toilet. She ripped a poster off the wall... (laughs) which was advertising some sort of health concerns. The problem with football, hooligans like Lindsay Hooper. Especially in West End bars. Oh, no. I had to calm her down, ladies and gentlemen. I almost had to turn all the taps on and start start throwing cold water over her. It was not a pretty sight. If only Faker others could see what I did after that Luton Wolves game. Um, that's where we're going next, by the way, ladies. We're going to have a non-league roundup from our very own Faye. What have you got for us? Thanks very much, ladies. Another busy week in the Blue Square Bet Premier. And as I record this, Wrexham are now level on points with Grimsby at the top of the table. They beat Hereford 1-0 and Grimsby's game had to be postponed. Windsor Forest Green and Newport keep them in contention as well. And Dartford still pushing for the playoffs, but dented Luton's promotion hopes by beating them 1-0. Stockport and Hyde both won, though, giving their survival chances a bit of a boost. Another loss for Barrow, though, leaves them third from bottom. Now, Gateshead's game against... Kidderminster was postponed because of continued waterlogging. The pitch at the International Stadium is still completely unplayable. They've only actually played one league game at home in the last three months. So the club are hoping now to have another venue in the northeast lined up just in case that problem persists. Um, some other lines around for you and Kidderminster have brought in Martin Devaney on a free transfer until the end of the season. Everton Swedish defender Johan Hammer has signed for Stockport on a one-month loan deal. Cambridge United have brought in York's Jamie Reid on loan until the end of the season. Left-back Joe Anderson's also signed. Now then, I am hoping to bring you some Blue Square success next week as Luton face Millwall in the FA Cup fifth round. If I disappear, though, it might well be because the Hatters' league form's not the best and Millwall knock us out of the cup, so I might have to go into hiding. But fingers crossed that will not be the case. Just one last thing. I saw your Twitter topic of the week. I've been holding off tweeting about it and decided I'd just put it in the podcast instead. And I'm going for Peter Shilton as England's best centurion as he's the only goalkeeper in the 100 club. 125 starts over 20 years for England. He's an absolute gentleman. And the only people that come close to him between the posts are David Seymour 
Seaman and Gordon Banks, who have 75 and 73 appearances, respectively. So, Peter Shilton for me. Anyway, that's your non-league roundup. I'll be back next week with more. The female take on football. Thank you very much, Faye. And we will have our Twitter topic of the week coming up. And we're having a Serie A roundup this week. Uh, brand new, Michelle Lissell will be joining the Offside Rule podcast. A reminder as well that you can follow us at Offside Rule Pod and you can also like our Facebook page. On to topic number three then. And we're going to the chapel, ladies. It is Valentine's Day special. Uh, so you can't pick your own stadium but you can pick any other ground up and down the country, maybe even abroad, where you would go to get wed and why. For me, I'm going to Portman Road, to Ipswich. I love this stadium. Is it because there? Sort of. I'm, let me get to that. I love... He's going to give me away. Um, I actually, uh, first of all, the reason why I'm picking Portman Road is in my reporting days, going back quite a few years, It was one of the first grounds I went to and it was one of those grounds, a little bit like Charlton Athletic, that feels like a traditional stadium. It's not one of these built stadiums that just popped up off the edge of the motorway, a bit like the Rico or wherever. It is actually deemed with history and you walk around that place and all the statues and the names I love the feel of that football club it feels very community led it feels like a family set up um, and I really liked that so apart from Molyneux which I, I will always have dear in my heart I really like Portman Road anyway but as Kate's alluded to Mick McCarthy who I also really love now is manager there of course he took Terry Connor with him so I'm thinking Mick McCarthy can do the service he can be the vicar Read out the lines. Terry Connor, give me away. There we are. Um, Dad, sorry about that, Terry Connor giving me away. But this is all hypothetical. It's a Valentine's Day special. Uh, Hayley, where would you go? Um, Well, do you know what? Even if you dream of exchanging your vows and the halfway line or under the nets of the goalposts, it's actually illegal. On the hallowed turf, you cannot get married. In England and Wales, it is against the law. However, there are licensed venues where you can permit weddings to take place, the official ceremony within rooms that have been registered. So there you go. I did not know this until I I had to look it up. I'm thinking Craven Cottage. It's traditional. It's old. It's quirky. You have the beautiful walk along the river and the embankment. Also, this is very important for the stylish ladies. I was thinking. Sob the husband. Black and white. No red, no green, no blue. There's no colours involved. So there's no sort of, you know, worrying about the clashing of colours. Perhaps Harrods could also help out with the outfits. And maybe Mahiki afterwards. Perfect. I mean, this... (laughs) And for all the friends, you could fit them into that, you know, tightly knit sort of stadium but I think Craven Cottage is actually probably one of my favourite stadiums to go to visit because it is traditional it's fun I love it when you see the teams lining up there's not really a tunnel is there there's kind of like a big area outside in between the stands Uh, I love it it's traditional and I thought it would be very fitting of a wedding well in these times of financial constraints and I I think I've already spoken enough about this uh, on the podcast today you've really got on your soapbox about money today haven't you all about economics today for me but in these times of financial Austerity. We could look at going to South Africa's uh, Cape Town Stadium with a beautiful table mountain in the background. We could go to Braga's Stadium. And if you look it up, folks, it's got that rock face, of course. One of the ends is basically pure rock face. So we could go for a stunning location like that. Like those? Well, I'm thinking no to Cape Town, Table Mountain. I'm thinking no to Braga and your beautiful rock face. I'm thinking for the budget option now. 
Those who are interested in booking a wedding might want to think about Chesterfield Football Club and the ProAct Stadium. It says on their website, not only are we successful on the football pitch... Uh, they were relegated to League Two last year, that they're also successful at wedding plannings as well. Now, I find this a an absolutely wonderful package and where it comes into it economics-wise is because they were relegated last year, does that mean that the wedding package is now a little bit cheaper? You know how, how mm. season ticket prices and ticket prices for games go down. Does that mean that I'd be able to pick up a bit of a bargain on the wedding package? What's more, ladies? I, I mean, if you can... If you can get married in January and February, you get a 20% discount. Ditto September, October and November. You get discounts for getting married in May. And it's it just, it's, there's an awful lot of discounts on the Chesterfield FC website that would really entice me if I was looking for that financially keen wedding. It says here... Capture your special day with a naming in one of our match day programmes. Photographs pitched side in the director's box, in the tunnel, in the home changing room. A little bit stinky, but very nice. And outside with a blue carpet welcome. Very Chesterfield, folks. It says your wedding day is one of the most memorable days of your life. And with so much to organise, catch this, they'll even give you a wedding planner. I think it's a fantastic option for anyone looking at it. You could check out weddingvenues.com or did you know there's even a website dedicated to getting married at football clubs? And I'll give them a plug. It's weddingsfc.com. Wow, I didn't know that. Thank you. That was the budget one. I think I might prefer the the Fulham option. Go to Mahiki, Harrods round the corner. Sorry. Um, That's if someone else is paying, of course. Uh, Let's actually go on to our extra topic for this week. This is because it's a Valentine's special. We decided, girls, we'd go away and try and come up with a Valentine's 11. So let's get our starting lineup at 11, girls. Hopefully we can get a few from you each. Three or four each. Let's see what we can come up with. Uh, Starting with Hayley. Okay, so I'm going to start. And Valentine's is all about love. Peter Lovencrans. Yeah. That's how I'm starting mine. What about James Husband of Doncaster? Ooh. That's what we hope to gain on Valentine's. That is brilliant. I haven't got that one. James yeah. Husband, okay. Uh, what about when you get down to it a little bit later on, cheeky little kiss with Leeds United's Michael Tong? <laughs> oh, yes, yes. And, of course, if you're past the kissing stage, a little bit later on in the evening when you're smooching your other half, what about Hanover's Mike Hankey for a bit of hanky-panky? <laughs> Thank goodness you said that. Oh, yes. Oh, now you've handed the microphone to me and I'm crying with laughter, as I always do. Um, OK, I've got a few to throw in. I think, girls... Um, Every, there's quite a lot of girls up and down the country. They'll be hoping for one of these on Valentine's Day. A diamond, Ooh. wouldn't they? Alexander Diamond, a defender at Burton Albion. Can we have him in our squad? Yes, please. Um, I've got one purely known. Um, now, this could be for... It's got a double meaning. It could be for kissing, pecs, or it could be an, sort of other pecs, couldn't it? Um, and that's a defender. He's just known as pecs from Gilvente. That was a bit of an internet search, that one. I've got Philippe Kiss. Yes. Uh, midfielder at Cardiff. I've got Ryan Valentine. Yes, so Defender at AFC Telford United. Um, Sparks might fly on Valentine's. Daniel Sparks, a defender at Braintree. Um, Jamie Hand, if you're going to have your hand in marriage. Defender at Mansfield. Hands on. 
And my final one, Jared Hodgkiss, another kiss, uh, defender for Forest Green Rovers. OK, well, I'm going to give you a couple of obvious ones to get the ball rolling because it sounds like we need a couple of subs as well, ladies. We've got an absolute plethora of Valentines-connected footballers for our Valentines eleven. So let's go, of course, with Danny Rose, Joe Hart, Tim Flowers could be our backup goalkeeper. If we didn't want to go for him, we could go for John Flowers, of course, who was a footballer in the 60s and 70s. How about that night, as in Knight in Shining Armour? John Hartson? As in heart, obviously these aren't uh, current players, some of them. Wagner Love for CSKA Moscow. Guillermo Amor. Amor! It's a beautiful name, isn't it, folks? Uh, Spells for Fiorentina, Villarreal and Livingston randomly before he retired in 2003. He's a midfielder. And finally, he played for Norwich in the 1970s. It's Malcolm Darling. Any more? You've got more, haven't you? Have you just come up with these whilst we've been talking? Diego Valente, Valentine oh, Valente yes. of Portugal for Cluj. And I've got another kiss as well. Zoltan kiss of Pan Seriakos in Greece. He's Hungarian and he is the kiss master. That's what they call him. So that was our Valentine's 11. I wonder if anyone's got any more to add on to that. It'd be interesting to know. They can tweet us at Offside Rule Pod. Uh, now we're going to go to a, a different foreign correspondent, brand new to our team. We would like to welcome Michelle Lissell. Now, Michelle is best known for her work anchoring Fox Soccer's flagship show, the Fox Soccer Special. But she's decided because she's a big Serie A fan, she'd do us a Serie A roundup. And here she is. Hello, ladies. Everyone loves a great finish, and it looks like we will have just that in Italy. Defending Serie A champions Juventus have a mere five point edge over Napoli. It was a missed opportunity to get closer to the leaders after they dropped points at third place Lazio. Italy's leading scorer, Edison Cavani, failed to add to his tally and remains on 18 goals. Nicholas Anelka, who joined Juve in January, still waiting for his first opportunity, having not yet made an appearance, at least at the time of this recording. Plenty of eyes on AC Milan with Manchester City's former bad boy, Mario Balotelli, front and centre. Three goals in two games and so far living up to expectations. Shame he won't be able to compete in the upcoming round of 16 in the Champions League, but Barcelona should be okay with that. Balotelli, the subject of racist chance, the latest at Inter's match when his goal was shown inside the stadium, troubling indeed with the Milan derby just on the horizon. Palermo surely to be relegated. Their latest manager, Alberto Malasani, has the task of trying to save an impossible season. The club having fired 49 coaches in 24 years. If Malasani doesn't last till the end of the season, they could set a new record for coaches That would be four. At least the title race is exciting. Please give me a follow on Twitter, at Michelle Lissell. Ladies, back to you. Hi, I'm Matt Letizia, and you're listening to The Offside Rule, three girls talking about football. Thank you very much, Michelle. And we can reveal that Michelle is a Chelsea fan. Mm. Well, I tell you what, it's nice to have something other than Manchester United fans working (laughs) on this podcast. Coming from the Liverpool fan, I'm sure that's true. And next, just before we say goodbye, we'll finish with Twitter Topic of the Week this week. And it came courtesy of a tweet earlier on from Steve Sidwell regarding the England game. And, of course, you'll have read the back pages to do with Ashley Cole. He says, congrats to the greatest left-back England has ever produced. I must say I concur with that. Uh, 100 caps and still overlapping for fun. And he put forward slash legend... And that has inspired us to ask the question all week on our Twitter account at Offside Rule Pod about England centurions and your favourites. We've had lots of tweets about this. Um, let me read a few out. Then we had 
Alan, who got in touch, um, and this was Al Manu Man, another Manu supporter. Uh, so Bobby Charlton, World Cup winner, European Cup winner, Munich survivor, a true legend of the game, favourite England centurion, Hayley McQueen, nodding in approval. Uh, so Bobby Moore um, says Girls Sport Talk, who we would like to say a big hello to, uh, because he was one of the best defenders worldwide, and Beckham for those free kicks, and for a few other things, I think, as well in there. Um, we had Kieran get in touch, saying Kelly Smith, a legend of the women's game, who has helped raise its profile over a period of 15 years, an honest last two. I can vouch for that after interviewing her about her autobiography. I have to say, a brilliant read, uh, Kelly Smith's autobiography. But Kieran, thanks for that one. Uh, Sam Wilson, Ashley Cole, he goes with Ashley Cole, is his favourite. 100 caps without once being a substitute, which is something to yeah, something to behold. The best left left back in the world for years and doesn't care what people think of him. Johnny Gallagher said, Billy Wright. And I think I'd have to go with this one, wouldn't I? Uh, first player ever to get 100 international caps. 90 as a captain. Um, and a real ambassador for club and country. Uh, we had Scott uh, with Stu- wishes Stuart Pierce was an option, but of course he isn't. Has to be Beckham. Came back from France 98 to become a star. I think his comeback is one of the big stories ever. Um, in terms of favourite centurions then, Kate, who have you got? I like my goalkeepers, don't I? So I'm going to go with Schiltz. Peter Shilton, of course. He's England's record appearance holder with 125 caps earned over a span of 20 years. It's quite incredible, really, isn't it? So, Hayley, any more to add? I'm going north of the border, girls. I'm not sticking with England. I'm going to put it out there with Kenny Dalgleish. I know this is completely ruining the whole topic, but I thought... Lots of us would probably have the, the same type of legend, but I thought Kenny Dalglish needed to be mentioned. He was the first Scot to make 100 international appearances. He captained the national side. It was a 3-0 win back in the days when Scotland were winning and they were doing it at Hampden. Uh, it was a win over Romania and the England-Scotland game, which we'll be looking forward to later in the year. Imagine just slotting him back into this Scottish national team. Maybe he'd the man to kind of help rescue and save them. So I think he is a legend of the Scottish game and I just wanted to put him into our conversation. This is a classic Hayley McQueen moment. <laughs> Who is your favourite England centurion? Kenny Dalglish. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, we would like to wish you all a very happy Valentine's Day, wouldn't we? Did you send your cards out, girls? I sent mine. Did you get mine? No. no. It might might be there when you get home, hasn't it? <laughs> I'm, I'm still waiting for the bunch of flowers. Uh, <laughs> that's if I can get through the door to yours, Lindsay. And all the other mail and the sacks just lined up down the drive. <laughs> I know. It will take a few hours, but I'm sure I'll get through them. Um, thank you very much. We will uh, speak to you again next week. Remember, you can download the Offside Rule podcast every Thursday from now on. We switched days last week, so don't let that catch you out. And give us a follow at Offside Rule Pod. Check out the Facebook page as well at the Offside Rule podcast. The Offside Rule. We get it. Brought to you by a Wolves fan, a Manchester United fan and a Liverpool fan. Produced by Sarah Grun.